Welcome to the podcast of Be The Church. We hope this message will encourage you in your journey of loving God and loving other people. To find out more, go to www.bethechurch.org.au. My message title, trying to get creative, is called Never Eat Alone. Now, um, when I was thinking about uh, Never Eat Alone, it's going to be a simple message in some ways, and you'll, you'll understand what it means in a moment, but I was thinking about an image of feasting. And anything that came to mind, and this is going to show my age a little bit, is there's a movie called Hook, um, which had Robin Williams in it. Who's, who's seen that movie? Oh, no, enough people. Okay, maybe who hasn't seen that movie? Yeah, a few people. Oh, Naomi, hello. Naomi's back. Hi. Hi. <laughs> See you there. Awesome. Um, so this was with Robin Williams, and uh, he was like a grown man, but he used to be, or he was Peter Pan, and um, he goes back with the Lost Boys, and I was looking this up, and um, you remember that big meal they had, and it turned into a big food fight? It was like imaginary, but then it was real. And um, I was looking it up. This was the, what was the name of this guy? Rufio. Remember Rufio? And uh, Bangarang, um, when they ate the meal, Bangarang. And anyway, so I just want to get this image of feasting uh, going on. And I want you to think about the best, best meal that you've ever had. What's the... Yeah, ooh. Should have given Kylie a week's warning on this one. I want you to think about the best meal that you've ever had. Or maybe the, the best couple of meals. And think about what was so special about it. But particularly think about who was there. Because uh, one thing I pretty much could guarantee you is that the best meal that you've ever had wasn't on your own. It was with someone or some other people. And uh, the reason for talking about this is in our, our culture, um, like, like many others, we connect over meals. And so this idea of never eating alone, I'm thinking about how do we get really practical about reaching out? And you know, one of the ways is about the context of, of meals. Now, I know this is very true about meals and memories because Kyle and I have had the privilege of traveling to many, many parts of the world. And if you ask me, like, um, what was the best thing about when you went to Italy? And I'll be able to tell you that, um, you know, I love going to the Colosseum and I was thinking about the historic... Oh, hello. <laughs> Sounded like a radio. Um, and I was thinking about the, um, um, uh, like, Julius Caesar and what life would have been like and all the historic evidence. You ask Kylie about Italy and the cities we've been to, it's like the gelato flavours of every city that we went to. When we went to Israel, I could tell you about all the historic evidence that, you know, I'm reading the Bible and it's amazing and look at this heritage. And Kylie can tell you about the kebabs that we had in Israel and how they're amazing. And so I started writing some of these things down. We went to Amsterdam. What's Kylie's favourite? Valam, Valam Fritz. Anyone know what Valam Fritz is? French fries in Amsterdam. Paris. Now, Paris was a beauty because you ask Kylie about Paris, it's the crepes. It's what's called millefeuille, which is uh, vanilla slice. Uh, and creme brulee, so they're the meals that we had. I kept writing them, Stockholm. She had the most amazing garlic mushrooms ever in Stockholm. Wimbledon. Now, Wimbledon, we got to the, the round of 16 front row tickets, so I can tell you about who played and amazing, and so what can Kylie tell you about? Strawberries and cream. Most amazing strawberries and ice cream she's ever had. We were in Istanbul, and we had a whole lunch that was like Turkish desserts. Anyway, you get the idea where I'm going, right? Bruges. Bruges was chocolate. <laughs> and we can go on and on and on. So... Food is like this massive part of our life and the food and drinking and all that kind of stuff. And, um, <laughs> and running. There is a time for feasting and a time for running, uh, according to Ecclesiastes. Um, you know, you might have even heard it said that um, when you think about the best bottle of wine that you've drunk, 
it actually is not about the quality of the, the wine, it's about the company that you had at the time. So a wine tastes a whole lot better if you're just enjoying the night and you're sharing the night with people. Now, if you were here probably about a month ago or six weeks ago, um, I was talking through these studies that we'd seen um, from McCrindle Research that talked about how people in our culture connect with, with religion and faith. And with this little thing that separated how um, we have uh, secular things we talk about, like the football and the weather and um, you know, the restaurants and that kind of stuff, and we have the sacred things that we talk about. And the sacred stuff is the things that are a little bit more personal to us. And, and religion and faith in our culture gets grouped into that, that sacred kind of topic. But then we also talked about how in our culture, what are the things that we, we deem appropriate to talk about in a public place versus those things in a private and really, it's the secular stuff we talk about in the public place. It's the sacred stuff we talk about in the private place. And so if you are a non-Christian person and we're thinking we want to get them to talk about a faith context, it's more likely going to happen in a private place, meaning either in their home or in our home. And so this idea of never eating alone to me is really... Uh, important context to think about how we reach out to people in our culture. Um, now, let's have a look. I just want to have a... There's, there's actually quite a few stories of where Jesus did this, um, and he either went into someone's home or invited them into his world, um, and, and, and ministry happened over the context of a meal. So let's have a, a read of one of those. Um, if you want to grab your Bible... Um, does anyone need a Bible at all today? Because if you just want to put up your hand, we can give you a Bible. Anyone need one at all? Nope. All good. Thanks, Kylie. Um, so if you want to turn with me to Mark chapter 2. And we're going to pick up from verse uh, 13. And it says, Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, um, son of Alphaeus, who Levi was, uh, we know as Matthew, um, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests in that private place, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. How cool is that? Uh, but when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are, who know they are sinners. How cool is that? Jesus spent time just with local people, people that were part of the culture and the religious people sat at the side of that and said, you're eating with scum. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's the point. And I guess that's kind of what I want to get us thinking about today is, is like, who, who are we eating with? Who are we getting into the world of um, and getting into the private places of um, and thinking about sharing meals and other things with those people? Now, over the years, we've um, had different sayings that have helped with us. You might remember one years ago, which was, uh, do what you do and add one or two. It's just this idea of, um, what was that one, Lockie? Hashtag. All oh, right, hashtag. Okay. Yeah, I didn't recognize that. What is a hashtag? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and it's this idea of just thinking about your everyday life, every part of your life, and how can I invite others to be a part of it? 
um, we share a bit, Kyle and I, that um, what we try to do, not this doesn't happen every week, but probably a, across maybe two, sometimes three Saturdays of a month, we've kind of used our Saturdays to invite people into our house or go out with a meal. Like we're very intentional about, uh, and it's, it's usually the people that um, we work with that are not Christian and we just like to get in their world and spend time with them. And we've had um, some amazing things that have come out of uh, those interactions. Um, I was looking as uh, I went through preparing this message and one part of that is obviously about building relationship and enjoying each other's company but I think it's also about a sense of building community and one of the things I think we can do as a church is help people feel a part of something. It's this context of belonging um, which is a word, you know what sucks at the moment, like have you seen the ad It's about belong? But, you know, Belong is a rebranded Telstra mobile product. And they had this awesome ad that says, you want to be part of something, and then it's like a mobile plan. It's like, no, that's a complete disconnect for me. <laughs> it's like really bad branding. If that was, and be part of um, Church in Scarborough, that would be amazing. But um, it's not. It's like for a mobile plan. Anyway, um, but where it does work, um, you might have heard there's, uh, in WA, there's this really good um, program around, I think, mental health, which is the uh, Act, Belong, Commit campaign that's happening at the moment. And if you look up what they say about belong, which has been quite successful, um, you know, they're trying to elevate the importance of being part of something for general health and well-being. The belong part says, uh, it just literally says, do something with someone. Do something with someone, which is cool. And I think uh, being a part of a local community, a, a sense of belonging, is so much of what the local church is meant to be about. There's an uh, Anglican um, uh, pastor, priest called J. John, who's a um, really funny guy and he's written some cool books. And uh, years ago, we heard him talk about um, this sense of belonging. And he says, you know, what the church traditionally has done, which he thinks is wrong, is uh, we want someone who comes in to believe what we believe, then they need to behave the way we behave, and then they can belong to who we are and what we do. Right? Believe, behave, belong. And he's like, no, that's not what the gospel says. The gospel is completely the other way around. People need to belong first. That's the start point. Then, by hanging around us and being a part of what we do and joining into our activities and meeting us over meals and in that common place, they might just have a question about why do you do that? Why do you live like that? Which takes them on a journey to possibly believing what we believe. But we don't do that out of this agenda of behaving and believing the same things as we do. We do it out of a genuine, authentic concept of relationship and we just want to have you as part of, of what we are. Now, this is going to be slightly uneasy as I mentioned this but um, as I look around like we're, we're pretty good we're pretty good at this but as we think about this next decade I was talking about we're not as good as we used to be right we've got we got a little bit comfortable with this idea of belonging and how do I know this well back when we started our church in the first couple of years and the people that were there are nodding we literally had homeless people walk in now that was kind of uncomfortable then but it was also really cool um, I don't see them today. They're not here. I'm not sure why they're not here. Um, and we're all part of this journey. Like, I'm, I'm just kind of saying me. We had guys come in some... Like, there was one day where um, some guys came in drinking beer with no shirts on at the back of our church. Now, that might make you feel uncomfortable, but to be honest, it makes me feel more comfortable. I feel like that's what we're, we're meant to be doing. One day, um, a story of that era, um, it was back in the day when the church was smaller. We used to have to set up chairs... And the people that were going to set up the chairs that day contacted Kyle and I and they 
they said, we can't make it. And the people that were the backup to those people called us and said, we can't make it. So Kylie and I, that's fine, we'll go down, we set up the chairs. When we got there, there were two homeless people waiting outside of church, waiting to come in. And we're like, that's awesome. And they said, can we do anything to help? And we're like, well, actually, um, the chairs need setting up. And they're like, great, we'll do that. And so we said, well, we'll show you how it goes. They're like, no, no, this is our church. We know how it's set up. We'll figure it out. So they set the chairs up. That was really cool. What was also really interesting is one of our regular people showed up on time and walked in and said, oh, church doesn't smell very nice today. You might want to think about spraying some um, air sanitizer around. And we said to them, well, what you don't realise is that it smells a little bit like that because the homeless guys came today and they set church up. First of all, it would probably offend them if we did that, but second of all, we really like that smell today. That's an awesome smell. And I'm kind of saying that because we've lost this. Like, we've lost that. Like, you guys are awesome. I'm not saying I don't want to be friends with you, but, but <laughs> don't hear me the wrong way. But where's our sense of broader belonging? Who are the people that we're hanging out with and doing life with that we can say, hey, why don't you... Come? And it's not about... It's, it's not about trying to build church just by having people here. Like what we're looking for is you building relationship with people, them getting to know you, them asking you questions. Like the ideal scenario is that you lead them to the Lord and they say, I want to go and hang out with more people like that. And then they come along. Now they might come before that as part of that, but if they didn't come until they'd found Jesus and wanted to hang out, that, that's kind of cool. But irrespective, there's this sense of belonging that I think we need, to, we need to broaden our horizon on. We're really good at it with each other, I'm sure. There's no question there, but we need to broaden it with a, um, the people that we're doing life with. Um, so I was reading, um, I just wanted to um, read you a little article. Um, I'm going to do like a summary version, although just bear with me because it's cool. This was written um, by CNN based on a Stanford University article which was called The Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. And the, the guy who wrote this article has, had coined a term or has coined a term called belonging intervention. All right, so this is the, the summary of belonging intervention. What is the opposite of loneliness? Is it belonging? Because as humans, we need to belong to one another, to our friends and families, to our culture and country, to our world. Belonging is primal, fundamental to our sense of happiness and well-being. Belonging is a psychological lever that has broad consequences. Our interests, motivation, health and happiness are inextricably tied to the feeling that we belong to a greater community that may share common interests and aspirations. Isolation, loneliness and low social status can harm a person's subjective sense of well-being as well as his or her intellectual achievement, immune function and health. This is all, this is the summary, right? This is all backed up by research. A sense of social belonging can affect motivation and continued persistence, even on impossible tasks. That is, if you feel like you don't belong, you are both less motivated and less likely to hang in there in the face of obstacles. The belonging intervention has the potential to downgrade uncontrollable stress by allowing people to put a narrative around their traumatic experiences. It places those experiences in a box with a beginning, a middle and an end. And as a consequence, the meaning of the negative experience is constrained and people understand that when bad things happen, it's not just them, they are not alone, and it's something that passes. That's a scholarly article written by Stanford University professors. But when I read that, don't you reckon that's the church? Isn't that meant to be the church? Or more specifically, the people in the church? Or more specifically, you and I? 
the, the challenges of our society of well-being and health and mental challenges and stress and overwhelmed of circumstances and trauma and bad things, like that's just like the topic of the day. And yet this guy's saying from a research point of view, the answer is belonging. Now we know there's a greater answer which is Christ, but it starts with a sense of belonging. We actually have the answer to some of society's biggest problems just by inviting someone over for a meal. Crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. Now, um, let me ask you this. When was the last time you invited a stranger into your home? Someone that you didn't know? We kind of try to, I guess not strangers, but maybe that's a better question. When was the last time you invited someone new into your home? We were, we were actually confronted a couple of weeks ago, the idea of a stranger in our home. Um, really cool story, because um, Brendan and Danny and a whole bunch of people were heading um, up to the, the CS camp at Horrocks, and they'd met a lady, I've forgotten her name, Abby, and she was in a bit of a tough spot. And so Brendan contacted me and said, hey, can Abby come and um, park her car at your house tonight? And this is what I think. This is my first thought, right, just being honest with you. Really? Why did you pick... Why me, Brendan? Like... <laughs> It's, first of all, it's my Friday, it's my day off, incredibly inconvenient. The other thing I realised is that you were travelling with Brian Aldis, who weren't at their house, who had a free driveway. Could she just not park at their house? This is what I'm thinking. <laughs> and then I, this is my next, that's what I thought. My next step was, well, here's three people you can contact. <laughs> Try them. And to Brendan's credit, because they were not going to be there, he wrote back and he said, I've contacted all them, they're not available. And I'm sitting there in my pyjamas on a Friday night, having my little whiskey as I do, <laughs> on a, only Fridays only, and, um, and kind of like going, we need to do this, don't we? And we're like, yep, because we're not, we're not going to let this poor lady sleep in a car on our driveway. If she shows up, we're going to bring her into our house. And uh, it was like really confronting, but really good. Like we sat there and, go, and we were like, this is good. This is what we used to do this way more than we do now. Why, why are we not doing this more often? And so, uh, like, actually with genuine excitement about Abby coming, like we'd shifted from, oh, no, to I, hope, I was like, I hope she comes. Yeah, we got dressed and we made the bed and it was awesome. And um, so, and I think Brendan passed on our details and she, she didn't show up, which, you know, actually was quite sad in the end after all that. So, um, but I guess I'm just, it's a dialogue we should be having more often. And I'm thinking, like, my response at the end of that was, I'm glad you contacted me because it caused me to have to think about something that just used to be a normal part of our life, and it's not, and it's this belonging thing. And so, um, you know, the question is, when, when did you at last have someone in, into your home that um, was just kind of a bit of a challenge? To wrap up this morning, um, we're not going to have a big ministry time, so you don't need to worry that we're how much longer am I going to go for? But I just want to talk about a final little concept, which, again, was something that we taught on. I look back at when we did this, and it was 2014 um, was the last time we taught on this concept. Now, Millie will like this, because Millie likes this word, and the word is koinonia. Everyone say koinonia. Koinonia. Now, this, I reckon this concept of, yeah, I used to go koinonia. It felt like a round kind of, I don't know, an all-inclusive kind of love type of thing. In fact, I think it might have been last time I did this, I got the whole church to hold hands and we prayed together and it was like, but we're not going to do that today, it's okay. Because most of the time I get feedback and people are like, oh, I love your message, it's so encouraging. The day I get everyone to hold hands, it was like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> so I've learned my lesson, we're not going to do that. But I think this word of koinonia is a really good way of summing up the church environment um, and the sense of belonging and who we are and what we do and how we do it. And so we'll just explore that for a little word. This, this word koinonia... 
um, is a Greek word, and it's, it, it's another one of these words that has so much depth and richness to it that we just don't have an English word that kind of replicates uh, what it is. And, and it's a concept of building community. Um, it's in the, in the New Testament 19 times. And the way that we kind of rewrite it, the first is we use the word fellowship. That comes up 12 times. The word sharing is there three times. The word participation is there twice. And the word contribution is there twice. But all of those words, the original version is koinonia. Um, so let's just have a look at those things. So sharing. Sharing is this act of giving as opposed to the idea of getting. So let's think about this idea, our community. We don't come to church and go, what am I going to get today? Hope the worship's great and Sarah doesn't lose her voice and whatever's going on there. <laughs> you know, it's, I'm coming to participate in worship. I'm coming to give a sense of my soul poured out with other people as praise. That, that's a sense of sharing. But it's also uh, more than that. It's about the stuff that you've got. It's about the home you've got. It's about the relationships that you have. What does it look like to give in to those? That's, that's the koinonia concept. It's not just sharing stuff, it's sharing our lives. The second thing is this idea of fellowship. Um, I reckon fellowship's a funny word. It feels like to me this really old school, churchy kind of word, fellowship. Um, but if you look at what fellowship is, uh, what it is, it's about a group of people that are kind of joined by a common cause. And that cause is loving God and loving other people. But the way it flows out, the way fellowship flows out in the Bible is around a principle of one another, the principle of together. It's like we're, we're better together than we are on our own. The combination of what we can do together is better than any one of us. But that word one another, if you just do a word study on the Bible, it's amazing. Like in the New Testament, let me, I'll just go real quick. Be devoted to one another. This is all out of New Testament scripture. Honour one another. Live in harmony with one another. Accept one another. Serve one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Encourage one another. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. Offer hospitality to one another. That's the sense of belonging, of community, of koinonia. And the last thing um, that's joined together is the words participation and contribution. Um, I loved hearing Ken and Jess share about the Kimberley, but I, I really, just relative to this, Jess, what you shared about family and how maybe your sense of capacity there feels a bit different, but people are watching and the interaction and how your kids can love, to me, just literally speaks to this idea of koinonia when it comes to participation and contribution. Because if you believe in a cause, it's about getting involved. It's about showing up. Koinonia, building community, is about being an active part of that. And it's going to look different depending on the season of your life and your family context and your work context and all these things. But we want to be a church that is an active, mobile, pushing forward church. That we're not a room full of consumers that are here getting, but we're people that are giving. That we're people that are wanting to activate and be a part of and get on the playing field in whatever that looks like. And I don't mean where are you serving in church. I mean, what are you doing in life that is about building community, that is about fulfilling the thing that Jesus has put on you? Because that's koinonia. That's the start. Koinonia is actually about building a community of Jesus' followers. But it starts with this initial relationship with people. It's about investing your life into others. It's about doing what you do and add one or two, it's about never eating alone. 
And with that, why don't we stand and pray and finish this morning. God, we thank you that community was first built by you when you welcomed in, welcomed us into your community. You welcomed us into your place, into your world. And that's where belonging started. And that's the most amazing example. Our salvation is the start of community. But God, to live that out, we need to be thinking about these people in our, our world. We need to put into practice the things that you did, just getting into people's lives and those places where we can have more real and intimate conversations. And this simple idea of just having a meal with some people and inviting people into our home and giving and sharing. It's just so easy to say, but God, we get so busy. And for that, we ask for your forgiveness. We're sorry for perhaps having those attitudes like I did when you first uh, presented with an opportunity to not make that the main thing and be excited by that. And I pray, Lord, for each person here this, this coming week or few weeks, there'd even be divine opportunities where you present to us somebody new, someone who might be a stranger, someone who needs care, someone who's not feeling a sense of belonging. And that we would have the boldness and the courage to respond to that to welcome them in. To have that honest conversation. To just share our life and what you mean to us. And pray for these opportunities, Lord. We pray for those people that are on our hearts that are not yet in relationship with you and we declare salvation across them. Lord, we do have this sense of moving into a new season, a new decade, but Lord, we really want it to be uh, growth because of souls that are being saved. Let us not get complacent as a church. Let us motivate one another on to this literal scripture we read of, of love and good deeds. As anyone enters this place or enters life space or enters our homes, Lord, let there be an overflow of your love and that be the thing that creates a sense of them belonging, just feeling at home, feeling apart, that we would not discriminate in any way, Lord. We would see your kingdom come and your will be done, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.